Welcome to the Books and Bites podcast. Each month, we bring you book recommendations and discuss the bites and beverages to pair with them. I'm here with my co-host, Carrie Green. Hello! And this month, we're going to be talking about our favorite books for the fall season, um, whether it's spooky fiction or pie cookbooks or just whatever um, autumn and fall brings to mind. So we're going to go ahead and get started talking about some book recommendations. Let's go! Okay, the first book that I want to talk about is a debut book by Carrie Maniscalco, and it's called Stalking Jack the Ripper. (laughs) This is a perfect book for fall. (laughs) I chose it because it's one of the few creepy thriller murder mystery books that I actually enjoy, um, because I don't really like horror. And while Stalking Jack the Ripper definitely belongs in the mystery section, it does get pretty gruesome at times. This is also one of the Kentucky Bluegrass Award nominated books for grades 9 through 12. Um, So if you have a high schooler, this could be a potential award winning book um, in the next year. So set in Victorian era London, Stalking Jack the Ripper is a high stakes thriller that will keep you up reading late at night. It tells the story of Audrey Rose Wadsworth, who has been raised to be the perfect highborn Victorian young lady. But Audrey has a different plan for herself. She can't stand that her brothers get privileges she doesn't, and she simply won't go shopping for another new dress instead of going to learn about science. (laughs) Audrey is particularly interested in forensic science, and she is secretly apprenticed to her uncle, who is a coroner and a professor. And they soon get drawn into the investigation of the serial killer Jack the Ripper um, because her uncle is tasked by the police with um, autopsying the bodies. However, soon enough, her uncle is suspected of the murders and Audrey must continue the investigation by herself while also trying to clear his name. So stalking Jack the Ripper is not for the faint of heart. There are detailed scenes of autopsies, murders, and other gruesome acts. The main character, Audrey, seems to be able to maintain her composure through any kind of situation, which is really cool and surprising. Um, Also, much to the surprise of the men around her who expect her to just flail around and, and faint at the first sight of any blood. I found the way that she constantly asks questions, she sneaks out to do whatever she wants, and she constantly pretends to be going to tea but actually goes to help with autopsies. (laughs) It's really entertaining. (laughs) Um, The book was really cleverly written. It's great for a debut book. It has really accurate world building for that era and really interesting characters. So I highly recommend it to anyone looking for a good thriller, especially one of the historical persuasion. There is a sequel to Stalking Jack the Ripper that just came out. It's called Hunting Prince Dracula. (laughs) I'm really excited to read it. It follows the same protagonist, but in a different area of Europe. And it, of course, tells the stories of the mysteries of Dracula's castle. I might listen to an audiobook, though, because I listened to the audiobook of Stalking Jack the Ripper. It was really well done. Um, It kept me sitting in my car listening to it sometimes on my way home because I wanted to know what would happen at the end of the chapter. And then at the end of the chapter, it just sucks you in into the drama of the next chapter. And Mm -hmm. she's a very good writer. Do you think that we'll ever get tired of Jack the Ripper stories? Nope. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Or Dracula stories? Nope. I I love how we just keep figuring out new ways to tell them and, and enjoy them. Yeah. It, 
it's kind of like fairy tale retellings. Like I'm constantly reading new fairy tale retellings. And uh, how many Cinderella stories have I read? A lot. I don't even like the Cinderella movie, but I just keep reading them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But Jack the Ripper is still they're still making movies about him and everything. Mm-hmm. So the first book I want to talk about is Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders, which just won the 2017 Man Booker Prize. And I think it's a great book for fall because it's a ghost story. It takes place in one night in the cemetery where Willie Lincoln, the 11-year-old son of Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln, has just been interred after dying of typhoid. Along with many other inhabitants of the cemetery, Willie finds himself stuck in the Bardo, a state between life and death. When Abraham Lincoln visits his son's tomb, Willie finds it even more difficult to leave his former life behind. Although the story centers on the Lincolns, it has many characters. We learn the stories of the other dead and come to realize that they are in a kind of denial about their current states. They call their caskets sick boxes, their graves sick mounds. Their stories, funny, sad, sometimes a little profane, and very, very human, interweave with Willie and Abraham Lincoln's stories. A collage of historical and primary source documents provides background and creates a nuanced portrait of the Lincolns. So I also listened to the audiobook version of this book, and it is truly a masterpiece of production. Ooh. There are 166 what? cast members, including Nick Offerman, David Sedaris, Lena Dunham, Susan Sarandon, Julianne Moore, and wow. many other well-known names. That must have taken a whole team of production people. Yeah, I have no idea how it must, how they did it, but it sounds amazing. That makes me want to listen to it, even though it's not my kind of book at all. That sounds... That's just... I love audio books. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I had originally planned to read it, but I listened to a sample of it on Overdrive, and the opening chapter is Nick Offerman, and he just sounds amazing. And <laughs> it totally sucked me in. And then I had to wait four months to <laughs> get the oh. book off and hold, but um, it was worth the wait for okay. sure. Um, I did find the structure of the book a little confusing at first, listening to it on audio. Um, so I ended up checking out the ebook to read along with it at first. Uh, but then once I understood the book's format and knew who the main characters were, I didn't have any trouble. Um, I think the use of different cast members for different voices helps you follow the story. Um, and the performances were all impressive. Uh, I recommend it for anyone who liked The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which I talked about a few months ago, or the book Grief is the Thing with Feathers, or for anyone who likes historical fiction with a touch of the supernatural. Great. Thanks for sharing that one. The next book that I want to talk about is called Not a Drop to Drink. It's the first book that Minnie McGinnis had ever had published, though not the first one she had written, and it's still one of her best, in my opinion. 
It's both science fiction and dystopian, though the writing and story are honestly so realistic that it could take place in a very near future. I chose this book for our fall theme because it makes me think about cold weather, leaves without trees and frozen ponds, and stocking up on supplies for the winter. So Not a Drop to Drink is about a young woman named Lynn who lives in a rickety house in the woods near a pond, and that pond is everything. Lynn makes sure that anyone who comes looking for the pond leaves it thirsty or doesn't leave at all. She's learned how to shoot a rifle from her mother, and she's not afraid to use it. Lynn and her mother must face all kinds of threats to their survival. Drought, a snowless winter, coyotes, mysterious footprints that mean visitors in the night. And then there's smoke on the horizon, which means some visitors have come to stay, and Lynn isn't happy about it because her mother won't let her investigate. Lynn has never been more than a mile or so from her house, though she's heard stories of the faraway city enclosed in a bubble that her grandparents left when the water shortages and spreading diseases became deadly. So everything about this book is honestly really well done. The writing, the plot, the pacing, the character development, and the world building feels very engrossing and realistic. Um, There's more than enough action and suspense to keep you turning the pages, and you'll get really attached to the characters that the author is constantly throwing into dangerous situations. Um, That's what I remember the most about this. I read it quite a few years ago, but I remember thinking, we just met this guy, and now he's getting attacked by coyotes, and I have no idea what's going to (laughs) happen. And it was was a pretty scary book. (laughs) Um, So if you have a young reader who loved Hatchet by Gary Paulson and wants something a little more grown up, this is the perfect book for them. Or if you want a dystopian story that isn't all romance and drama, um, Not a Drop to Drink is a great choice. The paperback edition, which is the one the library has, also comes with a lot of great extras. There's a bonus short story, book entries from the main character Lynn's personal library, and information about the research that the author did for the book. There's also a sneak peek at book two in A Handful of Dust, which I highly recommend as well. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I just wanted to mention a couple of other books by Minnie McGinnis that would make great Halloween season reads and other ones that I considered talking about for the podcast in more detail. Um, The first one is A Madness So Discreet, which is about a girl who is wrongfully sent to an asylum at the turn of the 19th century and shows just how awful that kind of experience was. And The Female of the Species is another book. It's a blunt and honest look at the life of a girl who decides to take justice into her own hands three years after the murder of her little sister. So my next book is called Autumn, appropriately enough. Um, It's by Ali Smith, and it was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize for this year. It's the first book in a proposed four-book series about the seasons, and it focuses on Elizabeth, a 32-year-old art history professor, and her relationship to her 101-year-old former neighbor, Daniel. The novel moves back and forth between the two main characters' points of view and includes a couple of subplots, one involving pop artist Pauline Bodie and another involving the changes happening in the UK in the fall of 2016. Autumn is about aging and time, but it's also about living in a divided nation, a theme that is incredibly timely to what's happening in the US right now. 
One of my favorite chapters reads like a prose poem and could just as easily be about the United States as the United Kingdom. All across the country, Smith writes, people felt it was the wrong thing. All across the country, people felt it was the right thing. All across the country, people felt they'd really lost. All across the country, people felt they'd really won. All across the country, people felt they'd done the right thing and other people had done the wrong thing. The language is thrilling and poetic and it's a joy just to see where it leads. Although the book is about serious topics and uses a non-traditional structure, it also manages to be warm and funny. I don't normally read books in a series, but I can't wait for the next one to come out. The last book that I want to talk about is called Wink Poppy Midnight. That's by April Genevieve Tuhalki. Sorry if I'm saying your last name wrong, April. <laughs> I've met April before and I still can't remember how to say her last name, but I'm trying. <laughs> I first have to say um, the cover for this book is really delightful and is probably why I picked it for the theme today. The title stands out in really big white letters and around it are plants, spider webs, an owl, a snake, a fruit that looks like a human heart, and lots of flowers all against a black backdrop. It's spooky and mysterious, which shows off the best quality of this book, that it's strange and very mysterious and honestly a little bit twisted, which is perfect for Halloween. <laughs> Wink Poppy Midnight is the story of two girls in one boy, all of which are very different people. It's a young adult fiction book, unlike all the ones I've talked about today, so these characters are all teenagers. Wink is the strange neighbor girl with crazy red hair and freckles, who's kind of wild and... Her nickname is Feral. <laughs> Poppy is the blonde, beautiful, and manipulative bully who always gets her way. And Midnight is the sweet, cautious boy caught in between these two strong girls. The story is told in their very different voices um, with lyrical writing and a literary style. Um, there are no chapter numbers and it just switches back and forth between the characters as it needs to. And the story addresses issues of things like good versus evil, poverty, and the way everyone knows everything about everyone else in small towns. So I'm going to read you a little section of it just to give you a better idea of how it's written. Um, this is from page 12. Every story needs a hero. Mim read it in my tea leaves the day midnight moved in next door. She leaned over, pushed my hair out of the way, put her fingers on my chin, and said, your story is about to begin, and that boy moving boxes into the slanted old house across the road is the start of it. And I knew Mim was right about midnight, because the leaves also told her that the big rooster was going to die a bloody death in the night. And sure enough, a fox got him. We found him in the morning, his soft feathers stiff with blood, his body broken on the ground, right next to our red wheelbarrow, like in that one poem. So that's from chapter, from page 12 of Wink Poppy Midnight. So if you're looking for a story that's a little spooky because it looks really deep into the not-so-great aspects of human emotions and human nature, try out Wink Poppy Midnight by April Genevieve Tuhalki. That sounds really good, too. I love the title of that book. Right, yeah. And that's those are the characters' names. But mm -hmm. it, it, it seems like it's kind of kitschy and weird, but once you start reading it, it's, it's very fitting. Like, these kids have names that are very fitting to them. And... Um, 
I was trying to figure out where it was set because I read it last year and I can't remember, but it, it just, it fits really well. Mm-hmm. So that's my last book. I've got um, two quick books that I wanted to mention. One is um, the audiobook version of Murder on the Orient Express. Um, and as you may know, a new movie version of Murder on the Orient Express is out on November 10th. And it has a pretty amazing cast. Kenneth Branagh plays Poro. And it also stars Penelope Cruz, Judi Dench, Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Willem Dafoe. Yeah, it looks really fun. Like, I, I've seen murder on the orient express in several different ways several different Mm -hmm. versions and i'm so i'm hesitant about this one because i really love the other ones but okay i I, haven't seen the other ones i'm hoping it'll be good (laughs) the previews look good entertaining at least but anyway of course as readers we always think the book is better so definitely If you haven't read this classic Agatha Christie mystery, then I highly recommend the audiobook narrated by Dan Stevens. Stevens played Matthew on Downton Abbey, and he is an amazing audiobook narrator. It sounds as though there are eight different people narrating instead of just one person. Also, he doesn't do that annoying, high, breathy voice for all the women that so many male narrators do. That is the worst. Although <laughs> although younger women trying to do the voices of men is also really annoying. That is true. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad. It's, it takes skill. Um, so this version is available on Hoopla, which means you don't have to worry about holds lists for this high demand title because okay. it is pretty popular right now since the movie is coming out. Just visit Hoopla.com and log in with your library card and pin. That sounds good. Thanks for that recommendation. It's it's fitting for the season and the movies coming out. So. Absolutely. I went through an Agatha Christie phase a few years ago and read a ton of her books, uh-huh. which is not like anything else that I usually read, no, but I really not. liked I really liked them. <laughs> so since fall is the time of year when we often think more about our own homes and making them snug for winter, the last book I wanted to mention is Jane Austen at Home, a biography by Lucy Worsley. As the title suggests, this book focuses on Jane Austen's domestic situation throughout her life, from her childhood at her father's rectory to her young adulthood living with her family in various rented homes in Bath, to her later struggle, along with her unmarried sister and newly widowed mother, to find a decent, affordable home after her father's death. The book includes many quotes from Austen's and her family's letters and gives a really clear, detailed picture of life in the Georgian period, particularly for single and widowed women who are often at the mercy of their wealthier relatives. It also makes you appreciate how determined Austen must have been to be able to find the time and space to write when she very often lacked, in the words of Virginia Woolf, a room of her own. Okay, well, unfortunately, I don't have recipes related to the actual books that I recommended today. Um, I do have my favorite pie cookbook 
ever. Um, I love pies. I love baking them. I love getting them. I love eating them. I love picking fruit for them. And um, the, my favorite cookbook is Art of the Pie, A Practical Guide to Homemade Crusts, Fillings, and Life by Kate McDermott. Well, the first sentence in the description is pie making should be simple and fun. And I agree. <laughs> pie making should not be compli complicated or difficult or take you an entire day um, unless you really want it to and you're making a ton of them, which is great. You should invite me over. But it it shouldn't be frustrating. Um, and this book makes it a lot easier. Um, and the photographs are really good as well, which I appreciate because... Um, it makes just makes it easier to cook something if you have if you have good pictures. Definitely. Um, and along with that, I want to mention the pie crust recipe that changed my life. We'll include this in the blog post for sure that goes along with this. And it's the pie crust 101 recipe from Smitten Kitchen. Smitten Kitchen is a fantastic website and blog um, that posts a ton of recipes. They they do lots of really complex things, but this simple pie crust recipe is the only thing you'll ever need to make pie crust or pastries ever again. Um, so look for that on, <laughs> on our blog post. It's fantastic. For something that is equally warming but a little different, I like gingerbread and ginger cookies. Um, and I think they'd make a great accompaniment to any of the books I selected. My favorite gingerbread and ginger cookie recipes are from the cookbook Get It Ripe, A Fresh Take on Vegan Cooking and Living by Jay Steele. Steele uses spelt flour in both recipes, which is an ancient grain that's related to wheat and has a sweet, nutty flavor. Both recipes call for fresh ginger root in addition to ground ginger, making them extra spicy. In fact, the cookies are called double whammy ginger cookies. <laughs> If you'd like to try more period-appropriate recipes, I recommend Anne Burns' book, American Cake. From colonial gingerbread to classic layer, the stories and recipes behind more than 125 of our best-loved cakes from past to present. The book includes two adaptations of 18th century recipes for gingerbread, which of course Jane Austen was English, but I think there was definitely some crossover in um, what would have been made in both places. It also includes a recipe for Mary Lincoln's white almond cake, a cake that was first made for the Todd family by, by a caterer in Lexington, Kentucky, and which Mary often made for Abe. So that would be a great accompaniment for Lincoln and the Bardo. So I have a couple of recommendations from patrons from our last Books and Bites in-person meeting. This book is called Here is Where, Discovering America's Great Forgotten History by Andrew Carroll. Andrew Carroll documents his cross-country tour of forgotten sites linked to momentous historical events and people, an effort spurred by his discovery of the story about how the brother of John Wilkes Booth once saved the life of Abraham Lincoln's son. So we're right back to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it, keep, it keeps connecting. This book is perfect for today. Um, 
Doug McLaren just finished Here Is Where and says it's a great read. According to Doug, quote, Carol certainly can hold you and really has a way to bring it all home in the last several sentences of each chapter. In the last two pages, he makes some bold statements as to how valuable history is to us now in the present. And we have another recommendation by a patron, um, and this is for Wedding Cake Murder by Joanne Fluke. I, I really want to read some of those dessert mysteries mm-hmm. because I love desserts and I like <laughs> mysteries and I don't know why I haven't read them before now. I know, and, and it even includes recipes. That's perfect. <laughs> so in this book... Um, Preparing for her nuptials to college crush Ross Barton, Hannah Swenson is delighted by her successful participation in a Food Channel dessert contest and prepares to be judged by a harsh celebrity chef who turns up dead at Lake Eden Inn. Oh no. Thank you for listening to the Books and Bites podcast. We record from the Jessamine County Public Library's recording studio, which you can find out more about and find out more about our other events and the podcast at our website, www.jesspublib.org. Our theme song is The Breakers, from Scott Whitten's album, now out, In Close Quarters with the Enemy. You can find out more about Scott and his music at his website, adoreforadesk.com.